Welcome to On the Road with Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from the Idle Chatter family of podcasts. I invite you to jump in and join me. Along the way, we will get to know some really interesting people and their stories. Be it farming or firing orders, these folks are passionate about growing things or making horsepower. So let's get this bad boy fired up and head off to destinations unknown. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to On the Road. As you know, I'm your host, that guy from Catswamp Road in New Jersey. And <clears throat> we're going to have a very, very special On the Road today because we're having our first international guest. And I met this man over at the National Farm Machinery Show. And uh, he was originally from Australia, but he hails now from South Dakota. And he has a wonderful story that encompasses basically the whole world. He's passionate about farming. He's passionate about being in America and South Dakota. And he is bringing a technology to North America that was originated in Australia. And it's called a mother bin. But we're going to find out about that. But first, I want to introduce you to him. And we met at, we met in Kentucky. So here you get a guy from New Jersey, a guy from Australia who's now living in South Dakota, and we meet in Kentucky. So that's really what it's all about. And I want to introduce you to Dave Head. Welcome, Dave, to On the Road. G'day, Ray. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you so much. And that uh, he's going to say that good day. And so when we talk, I go, yo. And then he goes, mate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, 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 Dave, uh, your, marketing, your marketing person, Sarah, had reached out to me before Farm Machinery Digest. I'm a farm machine. Before the National Farm Machinery Show. I'm naming my own show, right? <laughs> That's what you get with this guy from Jersey. But anyway, and you have this concept that you brought to North America, and it's called the Walk About Mother Bin. And can you just tell us a little bit about that before I make you turn the calendar back and go tell us about Australia and growing up and how you got to there? So we're going to do this like a movie. We're going to do the. We're going to tell you where you. Are. We're going to talk about the mother bin now, and then we're going to go backwards, if it, and then we're going to come back to the mother bin. So please tell us about. Tell my audience about this concept because the thing is huge. And it's something we haven't seen here in North America. Yeah, thanks, Ray. It's it's a large portable grain storage. So our current size holds um, 4,000 bushel plus. I think we've had 4,600 bushel of uh, any type of grain, wheat, barley, corn, um, canola and um, soybeans, things like that. And and what it allows you to do is it's portable storage for the end of the field. Allows the combines to continue to run. The truck drivers never have to wait. Uh, the, the grain cart or the buggy or the all-out wagon, depending on where you grew up, never have to wait as well. So it's a farm efficiency tool essentially. And and uh, when I first came here, I realised my friends could benefit from it uh, uh, massively. And so we we designed one and built it for North America. We're proudly an American company and. Um, proudly made in here in the USA. Now this thing is huge. It's over four thousand bushels, and uh, and how long is it? So our current model is about fifty eight, fifty nine feet long from tip to tail, and the the bin body is uh, forty eight foot long and about fourteen foot wide. And, 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 uh, 
you were the talk of the farm machinery show. Let me tell you that. <laughs> hey, we're a little, we're a little, we're a little hard to miss. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a giant bin on wheels, essentially. And uh, when people walk past, they, they, everyone has to stop and have a look. And we got a little surprise coming. We might even be building a bigger one, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, so. yeah. And the thing is that. So I just want to and cor- don't be afraid to correct me if I'm wrong. Because before I saw it, this was a concept that I didn't fully, that I don't even want to say fully understand, understand whatsoever. But the combine would be going through the field. The combine would be emptying into the grain cart or whatever you, what was that other thing you called instead of a grain cart? You so actually I found, so in Australia they called a chaser bin. A chaser um, over bin, here okay. I, over here I think that the, uh, most places call it a grain cart but right. we've also heard it heard it called a bank out wagon or okay. a all out bin okay. so yeah just okay yeah. so a grain cart so that the combine is um, is emptying into the grain cart the grain cart is coming to the mother bin and the mother bin is either parked on the edge of the field or on the side of the road and the grain cart empties into the mother bin and acts like a storage like a bunching point and then the mother bin has an auger and when the trucks come to uh to load they load from the mother bin so is that correct that is 100 percent correct and what that allows it allows the combine to do is never have to wait for the grain cart to return right so your so combine is combine, running com- yeah the combine keeps running which is the most important part of harvest um people really underestimate how much time they lose if your combine has to stop and what it also allows you to do is continue to harvest if there's no trucks Okay. Um, and then the trucks come back. They immediately have a full load, so they are only in the field for for three to five minutes. If you if you want to load out really quickly, and then and then uh, the uh, they can keep moving as well. So it really is an efficiency tool. And the biggest benefit of it is you, you're able to reduce the amount of trucks and labour that you need to make harvest while running at a more efficient pace. And and the term mother mother bin is actually uh, from Australia, correct? So that's an official name. It's not something that you made up. No, that's what we've always called them. So mother bins uh, came about in Australia in the late 80s, early 90s, um, when farmers found that they were, trucks were expensive, labor was getting hard to get, and um, they needed a way to be able to harvest at the same speed, yet not have the labor requirements to keep up. Um, combines have got bigger, yields have got bigger, Ray. Uh, all the things have got bigger and faster. The only thing that has never changed in a long, long time is the amount of weight that a truck can haul on the road. Right. So the only way to compensate for that currently is to buy more trucks. Okay. Then you need more people. Right. But as farms get bigger and rural areas get smaller, there's less labor available. So this really compensates for those things and, uh, and, and helps everyone out. Our goal is, uh, of our company is to make the lives of our customers better, and this is something that truly does that.
it, it really does and uh and back you know when we come back to this t- towards the end of the show because we're going to go full circle here is that um i want you to tell the audience the website and i know you were on rfd tv and the uh what was it uh, rural america live and you did a a great episode on there so the people could actually see the concept because when you first see it you think it's a great it's a it's a grain buggy and then you see the massive size of it even what's it have seven axles how many axles does it have yeah, so there's seven axles, and, and it's something that people worry about is soil compaction, but because you put it on the edge of the field, it doesn't right. really affect it. It's essentially a surge tank if you want to simplify it. Right. Um, Right, yeah. So it's a it's a it's a it's a wonderful concept, and I know that you were blessed at the uh, at the show in Kentucky because you sold quite a, uh, quite a few there. Correct? Were you, were you, are you willing to share that with the audience? Yeah. So we actually. Um, have been I I was home helping my dad with harvest in Australia in Australia in 2015. <coughs> Excuse me, and um, I said I wonder why they don't have mother bins. Um, and he said, Well, why don't you build some and find out? And we built our first one in 2016, and then we tore it down and rebuilt it up, and we tried to break it. And um, that prototype is actually still running in Mississippi in Rye. Oh wow! Uh, actually. Yeah, um, wonderful customer, still still using it to this day, and and uh, and we since then we've just come leaps and bounds, and we'll we'll build another sixty units this year. We sold um, we sold four out of the show at Kentucky, and and I think since then maybe another five or six. Wow, that's so. wonderful. That's wonderful. So now, okay, so now we know how the audience knows how <clears throat> you and I met, and. Uh, we took a liking to each other, or at least I took a liking to you. I don't want to be as bold to say that you took a liking to me. Because, the feeling is mutual, right? Because, uh, <laughs> all right that's, only because, that's only because you're on my show. But, uh, but the thing is that, so now what I'd like for you to do, Dave, is let's turn the clock back to as many years as you want because we want to, we want to learn about you growing up in Australia. We want to learn about your family your farm over there, and I know you're going to Australia in a week, but next week or so, right? You're going back home? Yeah, I'm actually going to go and see my mum and dad and family in Australia um, in the next uh, um, next week, actually. I'm going to go home for three weeks, which is the longest I've been home in quite a while. During COVID, um, we couldn't go. The Australian restrictions okay. were really tough, and and uh, but uh, it's going to be nice to go home, so... I, I actually grew up on a wheat farm um, in the southeast of Australia, about four hours northwest of Melbourne, I guess is probably the okay. best way to describe it. And uh, we farmed, <coughs> excuse me, we farmed wheat, barley, canola, lentils, broad beans, and uh, about a 6,000 acre farm. And, okay. And uh, we still, my dad is is retired, but we still own our farmland and we share farm quite a bit of it. So. Now, well, I, you had told me the name of your town, but I don't want to mispronounce it. What is it? <laughs> so, so um, the name of the town is Dimbula. So, Dimbula is D I M B O O L A. Okay. And uh, it's an Aboriginal name for many creeks. So, okay. Uh, the Wimmera River flows through there, and I grew up water skiing on the Wimmera River. That was our thing that we did on the weekends. And, oh wow! 
in after school, and we also did a lot of rowing. Dimbula has one of the oldest rowing regattas in the world, actually. Wow. Now, did you go to school in Dimbula? I did. So, grew up, uh, went to elementary school, primary school, as we call it in Australia, and then and then high school. Um, Strangely enough, we would still bring our guns to school in the bus. We had a clay pigeon range at on school property right in town there, and we would compete against other schools. Oh wow! So, yeah, it's an interesting fact that sometimes surprises people because um, don't believe everything you read. We still have our guns there and stuff as well, but uh, it. Uh, it was a wonderful growing up. I played Australian rules football. I played cricket. Uh, we played a lot of tennis and golf. And wow. uh, the, the 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 climate where I grew up is actually very similar to Phoenix. Did I lose you? No, no, just having a drink. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I've caught your croak in my throat. Uh, I, 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 no, that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's 100% fine. But, you know, I don't trust these uh, cell phone connections. So, uh, yeah. So now how far was your, where you, did you live on the farm or did you live in town? We did. So we lived about five mile out of town, <laughs> lived on the farm. Okay. We had 100 acres of bushland. Um. That was actually a really interesting story. Um, my grandfather bought the farm from a Moller family, so um, we'd be fourth generation farmer. And um, the gentleman that had the hundred acres of bushland had built his own little golf course in there because he had a fight with the local golf course club. But <laughs> but uh, it was all grown over; it wasn't there anymore. But my my mum particularly loved birds and we have a lot of birds and wildlife and they're kangaroos snakes all the things that uh, you expect in australia in our little bushland right next to our house wow so now when you say bushland um is that meant it meant it was just overgrown and it wasn't cropland um it's not cropland so in australia you kind of have three sections we have the the coast what's class of the coast then you have the bush which is a lot of farming, a lot of broadacre farming, and then you have the outback. So we're kind of in between, but very salt, salt bushy type forest. Um, it it's not dense forest; it's straggly. You can walk through it, and uh, um, there you'd have everything from gum trees to pine trees in there, okay. and, and and things like that. So yeah. Okay, wow, that's very interesting. So now the the six thousand acres of that of that of cropland, I'll call it, that was tillable, was that was yep. that was that your family's, or did you rent part of it, or did you own part of it? Um, so with the home block, as it's called, it would not be dissimilar. A lot of people here, I think, they started with a three hundred acre block, and as the family bought more and and more around it over the generations, we ended up with about. Um, 6,000 acres. Okay. Uh, my grandfather on my dad's side farmed it with draft horses. Wow. So, um, and my dad said the only time he ever saw his dad cry was when uh, his favorite draft horse died. Oh. Do you, do you, did, did, so, you, did you know the name of that horse? Did your dad share the name? I it? do not know the name of the horse. My dad might know it, but I, okay. uh, I do. So my dad... Um, my dad's dad, so I never knew that grandfather. Okay. He died when my dad was 19. My dad is the youngest of six. Okay. And um, 
Um, but uh, my, I knew my grandmother on that side. So, okay. um, And then my dad took over the home block and we continued to expand the farm. And we used to run a lot of sheep. Um, and my dad in the late 80s, and uh, you have to excuse the friendship, but he decided he hated everything that shit. So we had no <laughs> more kids. No more kids, no more sheep, no more cows, no, <laughs> no more chickens. No and feet. he just pulled all the all the fences out and went farming. So. Went farming. Okay, so your dad, basically his whole life, he was, a, was, I'll use the word, professional farmer. Did he have another vocation other than agriculture? He, he did. Uh, my dad, I actually probably get my entrepreneurial spirit Particularly from my dad, I get my numbers brain from my from my mum, okay. and my entrepreneurial side from my dad. He owned a um, seed cleaning and exporting business okay. for Medic Seed, which is like clovers um, and cover crop okay. type of stuff. And uh, he also built a one of a kind Medic Seed harvester with his brother Max, uh, his oldest brother Max that uh, could harvest uh, medic seed at about seven or eight times quicker than the only other harvester available. Now, I'm not familiar with the term medic seed. What is medic seed? So medic seed is like um, (coughs) clover. um, You want to get, just take a drink. Take your time. This is a a, casual show. Don't, Um, Don't worry about it. This is we're, we're all we're all a bunch of farmers listening, yeah, so we, we understand we understand <laughs> that. Don't worry about that whatsoever. This is not the RFD TV, you know. This is uh, ca- yeah, I stuck in a lot of dust uh, moving. Uh, we're moving warehouse at the moment. Okay, the last yeah, couple yeah, of days, yeah, yeah. catching catch it up with me. Yeah, so. that's all right. Take your time. Do it. Do it. <laughs> do whatever you have to do. Don't worry about it. It's uh, but that must have been. Uh, now your dad. So you basically your dad grew up on that farm. If you have it, so many generations. Uh, yes, sir. Yep, yep. He grew up on the. He grew up on the farm, and uh, it had a a, a nineteen hundred. Uh, it was built in nineteen hundred or nineteen oh eight. Homestead on it. Wow. And it was in. Uh, was almost in. Was almost going to be bulldozed, and my grandfather. This is a, a little bit of a crazy story, but back in the 60s or the 50s, okay. I, I would have to find out the date, um, essentially won the, the, the lottery uh, when they used to draw a ticket. And, um, and rather than bulldozing it, he used the money to restore the homestead, the old homestead. So, oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Did, so, did, he, did he win a lot? I'm, I'm just I'm not being nosy. I'm just uh, being... No, I think it was. I couldn't tell you the number, um, but I think back in the day it was a decent amount. Of, okay, um, they were very involved in the Lutheran Church, and he, he donated quite a bit to the Lutheran Church. And I think he might have bought a little bit of farmland and restored the house with it. Okay. So, so now, what what is your what is your dad's name? Uh, Brian. Brian. My dad's name is Brian. Uh, and um, now, what about your mom? Now we know about your dad. How did she end up with this farmer? Did, did she grow up on a farm? <laughs> I think uh, they met through Lutheran youth, actually, okay. um, uh, through through the through the church, and and my mum's side side of the family only has I only have two aunts on my mum's side of the family, okay. and um, um, but my both of her mum and dad are now passed. Actually, all my grandparents are passed okay. now, but um, very much looked up to my 
grandfather on my mum's side. Um, a little side note about my name, and a lot of people uh, find this maybe interesting. My my full name is David Rudolph Head, and okay. and uh, my dad's dad, his first name was Rudolph, so okay. his name was Rudolph Head. Yeah, and my mother's maiden name was Rudolph. And her dad's name was David Rudolph. Oh, my God. So I have all, all four <laughs> names of my grandfather in three names, David Rudolph and Rudolph. Ed, wow, so. that is amazing. Now, did she grow yeah. up in, did she, your mom grow up in Dimboola? Um, she actually grew up in a little town called um, Pomonal, which is in the Grampians National Park. Okay. Um, her her dad was a, was a farmer and a shearer, um, and... Uh, um, he fought in World War Two. Okay, in the Pacific Theater. Um, it was interesting that when him and his brothers, he was he was one of six or seven as well, I think. But him and him and um, three of his brothers went to sign up to go to World War Two. Okay, and they looked at their hands when they went to sign up, and they. They said, you're shearers, aren't you? And they said, yes. And they said, go home. Your country needs you. Really? Because all the clothing back then, Ray, was made out of wool. Okay. So they wanted the shearers to stay home for so they could keep up the supply of clothes and blankets and things like that. Wow. And so my grandfather and one of his other brothers went to Melbourne um, which was a pretty big trip back then to travel that far, and uh, signed up anyway. Um, and he was wounded um, in the Pacific Theatre in Papua New Guinea, and uh, he actually carried part of a Japanese grenade um, in the back right side of his head to the day he died. You can actually see it through see it through his skin. Unbelievable. Um, um, yeah, and he actually got yellow fe- well, yellow fever. Survived that. He was very, very tough, <clears throat> incredibly tough. Uh, in the Depression, he, as a as a child in the Depression, he would actually go up and steal eggs out of cockatoo and galah nests. Um, a galah is like a parrot. Okay. And he would hatch them and sell them as pets oh, to, wow. try and make, to try and make some money. Wow. So, so they grew up, they grew up pretty hard, but tough and, he is an incredible fisherman and a hunter as well, and uh, yeah, uh, very fond memories. Him and my uncle actually lowered a ten-foot aluminum boat down cliffs and went cray fishing off the south coast of Australia. Uh, cray fishing is like lobster fishing, okay. and uh, and uh, uh, it's actually known as the shipwreck coast because the amount of boats they do that, and they would do it in a ten-foot aluminum boat. They oh. did that. Yeah, they All had- the families stopped them doing it when they were like seventy five. So <laughs> well, they were uh, they were troopers. They were tough, you know, tough, oh, tough people. Very, tough, very, very tough people. Tough yeah. people. Now, did your mom have a vocation off the farm, or was she, uh, or was she just? I, I, I don't want to say just like it's <laughs> like it's meaningless. I mean, I mean, was she just uh, just at home? No, my, so my mum. My mum actually worked in in a, in a stall hospital, um, um, and then met dad, and then they moved down to the to the farm, and okay. 
and then she she always did the farm books and helped on right. the farm as well. So, right, right. So yeah, yeah. This, you know, as an as an American, and I know a lot of Americans are, we're very in, enamored with Australia because other than you guys driving on the opposite side of the road, I'm going to refrain from saying the wrong side of the road. All right, <laughs> out of respect, exactly. out of out of respect that uh so many things are almost mirror imaged because it seems that australia um came of age and you know a lot of the architecture is the same the stories you're telling me about going to war a lot in the states here during world war ii lots of times they wouldn't take farmers either because they knew we needed there was always a food security issue uh the things that you're telling me uh, are so mirror imaged of being of with the United States and there's that bond and Australia and America have always been wonderful, wonderful allies and uh, and it's a, it's a place I always still want to still want to visit. It's on my bucket list of places to go. So, uh, but that's uh, that's a wonderful story. Now, your family were you the only child, or do you have brothers, sisters? I I I. Actually, have a. I just want to comment on your on your your comment there, Ray. Australia and America have been um, have been together as allies in every single conflict since the Boer War. That includes World War One, World War Two, the Korean War, the, the Vietnam, the Gulf War. Um, as very very strong allies and very very proud of our military history and and uh, which also which we can talk about a little later as a result of my logo. Okay. But uh, in in terms of my um, brothers and sisters, I have an older sister who um, has three kids, and uh, my younger brother has two children and married in Melbourne. Okay. Um, he works for a, a like a grocery store company. Um, uh, actually, he works for a, their liquor department, uh, so we always like a beer, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to going home and and uh, catching up, particularly with my brother. We we're great mates, and and uh, still to this day, um, still my favorite person to hang out with in the world. So, <laughs> oh, that's that, that that's that's wonderful. Now, I meant to ask you before, and I got and I I was so intrigued by hearing your story that when you go back to back home in a few weeks to visit your family, isn't that harvest time there? You're going to get involved with harvest at all. No, so our our growing season is very different to here. We almost plant at the same time, but because we don't grow over winter, uh, sorry, because we don't freeze over winter, our growing season is very, very long. So we will plant in April, May, and we'll talk about wheat particularly, and we'll harvest that in November or December. Okay, okay. So yeah. So in November, December, you'll be going into summer, correct? Yeah, because that that is correct. Yes, we 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 harvest at the start of summer. Yep. Okay. Now, did you ever did you grow any corn on on your on your land, or is it needed too much water? It needs too much water. So we're all we're all dry land. Everything is dry land. We have no irrigation. The uh, in Australia, the salt tables are very are way too high where we are to have any type of irrigation at all. Okay, and uh, that that and in terms of rain and the amount of sunshine, even though we're very hot and we get a lot of sunshine, we our growing season is not long enough for corn. Okay, okay. so so it's a, and particularly mostly not enough moisture. 
Now, uh, now the the grain that is your dad still have the seed cleaning business. No, so he actually sold that to the Australian Wheat Board. Okay. He sold that to the Australian Wheat Board uh, in early two thousand, and went went back to farming, and that's when we expanded the farm a little bit more, okay. and and yeah, so okay. we actually share farm with uh, with two brothers now. One was in um, at school with my brother, and one was at school with me. So okay. So, so they're not family; they're just friends. But they're pretty close, pretty okay. close to family. So okay. we, we okay. know each other and hung out with yeah. each other. Yeah. That, time, that's so. great. Now, I want to I want to just revisit something because you, you you really piqued my interest. I know you'd piqued the audience interest also. You said that when you went to school, when you were in school in high school, you had a um, a shooting club. I'll use the word shooting club, and you brought your guns. Yep. Uh, what kind of gun did you bring to school? Just uh, anything used to, to shoot trap. Okay. So twelve uh, gauge, just twelve gauge shotgun. We would bring them to school on the school bus. Okay. I know that's crazy to some people, but we did, and we would take them down to the office, and then we would actually train at lunchtime. We'd go pick them up, and the school would supply the shells. Okay. Wow. And uh, and uh, we would shoot trap at lunchtime, and everyone would come up and eat lunch and watch us. Wow. Um, and then every Wednesday throughout the season. Um, we would go and shoot trap or uh, against another school, um, or they would come to our school and shoot, just like uh, you guys do here with volleyball, basketball, right, right, um, right. football. So, yeah. yeah. yeah now, now, the thing is that uh, uh, I'm just curious. So what what, uh, what what brand the guns? Did Australia have their own brand the gun, or did they have? Uh, um, and no, so all the same guns you guys had. My uh, mine was a Winchester Mark oh, II, fourteen hundred. Okay. Um, they actually banned me for a little while because my <laughs> my they did because my my barrel was too short. <laughs> <They had> too <laughs> much of a fan is a trap shoot. <laughs> so, so, did you um, cut the barrel down, or was it, it made was that? Like a, it, <laughs> I did not cut the barrel. You didn't cut the barrel. Okay. Short barrel. Okay. And then they were like, "How come all of a sudden? You, how, how come all of a sudden you can hit everything?" And they're like, "Where did that barrel down?" Half the length it should be. So had a pretty good spread on that, but that was a little bit of fun. So. Wow. So, so the thing, you know, and you had said, you know, don't believe everything you hear because uh, the news media, which I'm no fan of, and my audience knows that, uh, <laughs> is that uh, uh, they've they've claimed that uh, that the Australian public doesn't really have access to guns. No, that's, yeah, and this is such a big uh, misconception and. I, I, I want to point out a story that sometimes things can be so blown out of proportion. Uh, the, the, um, I'll never forget that a friend of mine here from Falcon in South Dakota put a Facebook post up saying Australia had all their guns taken away and everything like that. And, and I wrote, I wrote to her on the post and said, listen, it's a great story, but none of it's true, you know. Okay. But it had been it had been shared a hundred thousand times, right, and, right. You know, and it's just uh, there's a little bit of lack of research. Yes, we do have gun control, but I will tell you this, Ray. So, it, the the thing, the difference between America and Australia when it comes to guns, and despite what anyone says, they did take away semi-automatic. Guns, but there was very few to begin with. Okay. So and and there was so much. We actually had quite stringent controls before.
before what they're calling the gun control thing right. happened. Yeah. And 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 so all the guns or very close to most of the guns that had come into Australia were already registered. You also have to understand we're an island. Right. So it's a little bit harder to transport in a shit ton of guns on a on a on an island. Right, right, right. You know, like it, you can't just sneak across the border. Right, right. So, so it, it, and we've never, and without getting into politics or anything, and we've never fought against ourselves in a civil war or right. a tyrannical government. Or sometimes right. I wonder if we have a tyrannical government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, but I, right. but it's it's never been a a big deal. We, you can still own guns. You can have guns. Okay. It, you know, so it's it's just not quite what people make it out to be. Well, that that's good to know, and I'm sure my audience, because we've gotten such bad, some fa- so much fake news about that, and even mm-hmm. over, you know, even over here in New Jersey, uh, where where our farm is, I mean, years ago it used to be completely different. I mean, it was like a little hamlet, and uh, you you might as well have been in Iowa, or Nebraska, or South Dakota. You didn't know you were in New Jersey. But I was just saying to my wife the other day because we saw an old TV show and uh, or a movie, I shouldn't say it wasn't old. It depicted old times. And when you went into the town of Hackettstown when I was a kid, everybody had rifle racks in the back window of their pickup trucks hey, yep. with a yep. rifle in it, and the truck wasn't locked. Did you have that same thing, rifle racks in in? Uh, no, um, we. We didn't, but I will tell you something that we did do, um, and I, I hope you're always okay this, but we hunted everything at night. Okay. So we, and when I say hunted, we, we have kang- kangaroos, foxes, rabbits. Yeah. And we spot we spotlighted everything. If you remember Crocodile Dundee, when yes. they go out spotlighting kangaroos, that was exactly yeah. what it was like. They okay. never shot back at them. Right. <laughs> so, right. So, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. But... It, it, it was a very a very popular path on for us as well. So. Now, do people eat kangaroo? You can, you can. It's actually, I put the taste probably between deer and beef. Okay, and if, if it's cooked correctly, so kangaroos are such a um, <clears throat> fit and healthy animal. They're very lean, okay. so it's very healthy for you. It's incredibly red meat, but it also means that if you cook it too long, it's tough. But we do do okay. a lot of kangaroo sausage. Okay, wow, that's very very interesting. I'm, I was I'm glad you didn't say that it sound, tastes like chicken because like here in the United States, they hear, oh yeah, I never had ra- rabbit. Oh, it tastes like chicken. Oh, everything <laughs> tastes, tastes like, like chicken. chicken. Yeah, so I'm glad you. I was waiting for you to say, oh, it tastes like it tastes like chicken. And uh, mm-hmm. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, but how big does a? I know that there's different types of kangaroos because you named your your mother been after the eastern grey, I think, right, eastern grey. But we'll talk about that a little bit. But how big will a kangaroo? Like that, that um, how much will it weigh? So, an Eastern Grey probably stands up to you know five, five and a half foot okay. when it's standing up, and it weighs up to um, oh, probably 200, 200. Okay, so they're, they're big, they're big, 20 pounds. Oh, they're big. Well, then, then you get to a big red, and those will stand over well over six foot. Um, they can stand over six foot, so be well over two hundred and fifty pounds. Wow! So this and <clears throat> I was going to say, Ray, if you imagine a uh, a big red can jump a seven foot fence. 
So if you can imagine being kicked in the chest with a uh, an animal that can propel 200 pounds over seven foot, wow. pounds, that's why you you don't really want to mess with them. Okay, um, too much. <laughs> oh, and that's their so that's their defense me- mechanism. They're like kick. They kick. They actually stand on their tail. Their tail is muscle, and if you've ever picked up a, a kangaroo's tail, they're incredibly heavy because they're just entirely muscle. Wow. And what they do as a defense mechanism is they actually have pretty decent claws, which people don't think of a kangaroo yeah. like that. But they will stand back on their tail and try and kick you in the chest, and they and they will try and drag their claws down down their prey to okay. like uh, cut them, cut them open. Right. And, and what do they eat, kangaroos? What are, what is their what is their diet? I think they. I want to say they're omnivores. I want to say they will eat meat, but you're going to catch me out. But they definitely they definitely they definitely eat plants and okay. grass and things okay. like that too. But I I don't okay. think they eat meat. Actually, they might. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, do they? Uh, do you have like in the United States? You're in North America. We have deer. Do you have deer there in Australia? So. <laughs> Funny story, they thought they would bring some deer over to farm them, and there's quite a big uproar at the moment, um, particularly around where my mum grew up, uh, the Grampians National, National Park. And they bought deer to farm them. The deer escaped. Now they're in the wild, and some of our conservationists won't let us shoot them, but they're destroying the native flora and fauna okay. pretty pretty extensively so we did not have deer now we do have okay. deer we would love to get rid of the deer okay but i also think kangaroos are just as bad as deer when it comes to hitting them at night with your vehicle so okay oh oh really oh that's why they have the that's why they have the the, the, the semi to track the trails have those big bars in the front i think yeah, yeah. rue guards <laughs> don't they call them rue guards yeah we call them a rue bar or a bull bar or a, okay. a you know a rue guard yeah so, yeah yeah yeah, now I had I had uh, you know after I met you and I came home from uh, the Kentucky Machinery Show, is that I looked up your town on the internet. I'm not a big internet person, but it's good for stuff like that. And your town Dimbula looks a lot like it could belong in the United States. The pictures that I showed, I mean, it looks a lot like South Dakota. <laughs> yeah, so the so where I grew up, town of about fifteen hundred to two thousand people, and. And Falkton, South Dakota, is seven hundred people, but it's 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 very it's very similar to where I grew up without the snow and ice, right? And the wind, and the wind, because you you told me you had some <laughs> and the wind, and you, the wind, yeah, you, you had yep. some bad wind. Now, um, uh, before we move on to the rest of your life, is that uh, with most of the roads are around where you grew up, were they dirt roads? And they still are they still are dirt roads? Um, yeah, so we have a lot of um, dirt or dirt or gravel roads, but we still have uh, two highways that run through Dimboola. Okay. There's one of the main highway between Melbourne and Adelaide, and then there's a, like a, a secondary highway that um, runs north out of Dimboola um, called the Barung Highway. So, okay. And our, and our farm is actually on the corner of those two highways. So. Oh, I see. And uh, now, are you guys are using the metric system there now? Correct, or are you st- are still using the English system? Um, so I'm. I like to say I'm bilingual when it comes to measurements. Okay. Um, uh, we we are all metric now in terms of hectares and tons per acre, right. but uh, tons per hectare, I should say. But but I did grow up when we were still using 
still using acres, and we would talk bags per acre, okay. not bushel. Okay. And what about the speed limit? Is that in metric or is that the the road signs? The road signs are in are in metric. Yeah, we're in kilometers. Okay. Hour, so so so, so one hundred kilometers or whatever per hour. Okay. So that's basically yeah. all right. Now yeah. I, I want to get back to your life because that's what this is all about, and it's so intriguing. <laughs> but you're, you're, you're paying the price of me having an Australian, because I have so many questions. Uh, and this has nothing to do with farming. It has nothing to do with that, but it has to do with the hot rod farmer. The thing is that how did what was the impetus for those road trains in Australia? And, uh, I mean, I've always been enamored with them since I was a little kid. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world because most of them were American-based trucks kenworth speederbilt max freightliners with the steering wheel on the other side and these so how did these road trains come about so road trains are just a result of distance to be honest if you go out in western australia northern territory or even up in queensland the distance <clears throat> the distances between places is just immense so and it's a lot of it's dirt roads and and you to be able to make it even remotely efficient, you have to haul more things at the same time. Okay. So, okay. So, did you have any road trains around where you grew up? No. So we're down in the southeast, um, which is which is all. Um, I put the farm sizes very similar to South Dakota. We have some big farms, but I mean, we are not. That's outback. When you talk road trains, you're talking outback. Okay. Um, type of stuff. Uh, not out in the bush, you know. I mean, these farms are, that they're going to, uh, you know, hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand. Um, um, I think Anna Creek Station is two point uh, two million, two million acres, maybe. Wow! So, wow! You know, so. That is that is uh, un- unbelievable. That is that is huge. <laughs> now, the other thing I wanted to ask you, if you don't mind, is that in the United States, uh, we have different cultures. Uh, so, if you go down south, they have a different accent. They have a, a, a different culture. You go out to the to South Dakota, it's a little uh, different accent. Me from New Jersey, I got to sound like I belong in you know, a gangster TV show. So, did do you have that that level that we have in the United States in Australia? Um, probably not in terms of accent. There is different, um, there's different inflections on words in, uh, be like Canadians saying a, okay. you know, we, we actually have that kind of, that difference in regions, uh, as well. So, but just not, um, not as pronounced, not as pronounced in terms of accent. Okay. Okay, so now let's go back to a young Dave. His father's got the farm. You're farming a lot of acres there. You're uh, going to school. You're, you're, you're uh, trap shooting in school. All right, and the thing is that, did your dad have the clean the seed cleaning business when you were growing up as a little boy? Yeah, yep, okay. he did, yep. <clears throat> okay, yep, so. And, and so you so you worked on the farm, and uh, what was your favorite favorite task on the farm? So we loved to camp and we loved to camp and 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 um, hunt and and we would uh, ride our motorbikes out into the Little Desert. The Little Desert National Park is, is near us, and we would camp out there on okay. on weekends and and like I said, water ski, row, all the all the sporting things as well. 
in terms of pastimes, that that was uh, probably one of our favourite things to do, go ride, ride motorbikes and go camping. So. Now, did you have a vision of taking over the farm from your dad? Because you, you're a world traveler. How many continents? You told me when we were in Kentucky, how many <laughs> continents you've been? You're like, I've got a wanderlust. Yeah, so so at the time, uh, I'll go back to your first question first. My um, taking over the farm, I would have loved to. At the time, my sister was home on the farm, and, and we were going through some pretty rough droughts. And when I finished school, I ended up going to become a diesel mechanic okay. uh, instead. And um, I, I this was after high school. I did a diesel mechanic apprenticeship with Volvo trucks and worked for Mack trucks. And then I uh, 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 worked for um, Volvo Trucks again, managing maintenance contracts. Okay. Before uh, um, I went and came to the US, but we could talk about that in a minute. In terms of your other question, uh, which was, um, I actually I'm lost now. I lost you. I no, forgot no, no. your question. No, no, I'm saying you wanted to take you wanted to, you, you, you wanted to take over the farm and then the, now I'll just I'll redirect my question in a different uh, a different question. When you were working for Volvo Trucks and as a mechanic and taking over the other aspects of you that you had said, was that were you living at home or was that someplace in a different part of Australia? No, for me to go and achieve an apprenticeship I, I moved down to Melbourne and, and I worked in Melbourne. Okay. And, and I lived down there for quite a while. Came, still came home and helped on the farm, and and uh, yeah, it was it was good. I really really enjoyed being a diesel mechanic for quite a while. I was good with my hands, and I wasn't very good book smarts wise. I I passed school, just uh, high school. Um, um, I would say I passed okay, not right, right, not great, but. Yeah, but, the- <laughs> but but I never went to college, and college was never on the cards for me. After high school, I was I was done. Obviously, Australia works things a little different with their trades. We don't need to go to school; we do apprenticeships. Okay. And uh, did that, and and I uh, did that for for ten years. And during that time, I met a guy from a uh, pub, actually, in. Um, from South Dakota, and that was in 1999, and he said, if you ever want to work, come over and work for me. So in 2003, I took him up on his offer and and came over and worked here in South Dakota on the wheat harvest, driving truck and, and combine um, from Texas all the way through to, to wow. Montana and wow. North South Dakota. So you met him in a pub in Australia? I met him in a pub in Australia. He was visiting Australia, and we're still great friends to this day, actually. Wow! In yesterday, and, and that's yeah. and and uh, so you met him in a pub in Australia in Melbourne, correct, or in the Melbourne yep. area yep. in Melbourne? Yep, yep. All right. So now that that would I mean <clears throat> to meet someone in a pub, and and to uh, you know a couple of years later pick up and move basically halfway around the world. Uh, that takes a lot of guts and it takes a certain personality. Did you did you wander far from Australia prior to that, or was this your maiden voyage? No pun intended. It was actually my second voyage to the U.S. My my first one, I actually worked for a gentleman doing the same thing in Texas in two thousand. Okay, I actually wanted to come and work for Craig the the first time, but 
I had two friends that wanted to come with me, and Craig ran a much smaller crew, so we went and did the same thing for a gentleman out of Texas. Okay. And then when I finished working for him, uh, when we bought a, I bought a 1989 Chevy Beretta. Okay. And drove 20,000 miles around the state. Wow. Now, was it a V6? Uh, was it a V6 Beretta, 2.8 V6? I, I, don't think, I don't think it was, but I, I tell you, that thing... I bought it for fifteen hundred bucks, and uh, I sold it for fifteen hundred bucks, and it cost me—I'll never forget—it cost me twenty-seven dollars for a water pump, yeah, which yeah. I replaced myself, and yeah. it cost me thirteen dollars for a puncture repair in Seattle. Yeah. I never changed the oil. I never did. It will probably horrify some of your listeners, Ray, but, yeah, yeah. but I never changed it. Never changed the, the oil or anything. I yeah. you do about a hundred and three mile an hour before you thought it was going to shake itself to bits, and yeah. then. And then I, when I finished driving it around, I sold it for fifteen hundred bucks. Wow! So I sold it for the same price I yeah. bought it. For. Yeah, well, the the, the Berettas so was a two door Beretta. They were nice. They were nice. They were nice. They made back during that time. They made beautiful drag race cars. The Berettas. So uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, the, almost everybody in NHRA Pro Stock or Super Gas ran a, ran a, ran a Beretta. And for a short while, they were actually made in New Jersey. Uh, oh really? In the okay. Linden Assembly Plant, there was for a short while they were made there. But now let's go back. So now, what did uh, what did your family? Uh, were you were you married in Australia, or did or did you have a uh, no, 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 never, never, never married. Um, okay, um, uh, that came a little later, but uh, never married in Australia. And I just uh, I had a wanting for adventure. I I swore to myself very early on, Ray, I wasn't going to be someone that would be. Um, say, say I was going to do something right. and not and not do it. I'm right. very passionate about that. I I saw a lot of people say, "Oh, we're going to go and do this," and then they right. just, N- never do it. So I, yeah, life gets in the way. What did your family? Yeah. What did your family think when you were going to go? I mean, your your father's saying, "I got six thousand acres here. You don't got to go to the United States to harvest wheat. You could do it right <laughs> <No>. here." <laughs> no, mum and dad have always been very encouraging of. Uh, both my travel and all my crazy ideas, they, they, uh, they, yeah, they, they said it wouldn't matter if I was a sweet stripper as long as I was happy and, okay. and, uh, and did the things that made me happy. And so that was a, so my, so my first trip, Ray, I, I bought the Chevy Brewer. I traveled all over the United States and it had a great time. And my second trip, when I did come out and work for South Dakota, I, uh, for the gentleman in South Dakota, I, I uh, I finished there, and then I went and backpacked around Europe for about four or five months. Wow! So, so did that, and um, when you backpacked, did you hitchhike or take trains? You didn't have a car, did uh, you? You take trains, you take buses, uh, okay. that kind of thing. I actually right. had some friends in Europe already. Um, one of the mechanics in Australia was from Ireland. Okay, so I went and stayed with him for a little while, and because uh, he. Um, uh, he ended up, him and his wife ended up uh, living, they weren't married at the time, but ended up living with me in Australia when they were mechanicing for Volvo trucks as okay. well and, and uh, as roommates. And then I went and returned the favor and, and uh, had a, had a great time over there. And, um, you know, traveling is one of those funny things. You can travel to your life, uh, your income doesn't support your lifestyle. Right. And then, um, and then you kind of got to go home and start all over again. But 
to this point, I think I'm at 30 countries and five continents. Unbeli- so unbelievable. I mean, what a what a um, uh, world traveler. I mean, you're a globe trotter. I mean, uh, <laughs> like the Volvo. Maybe you got that from that Volvo truck called the Globe Trotter, wasn't there? A Volvo yeah, truck. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> correct. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Could, could, so could, I actually went to the Volvo truck factory uh, for my European travels, and and um, <clears throat> probably enough time has passed now that. The relevant people aren't there anymore. But when I I had left Volvo Trucks to come and do the harvesting and then travel, and I and he had called me and said, "Listen, I've organised you to stay at the Volvo Truck Factory and do all the tours and the test track." And it was right the Globetrotter had come out, and and uh, he said, "But I told him you still work for Volvo Trucks, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> They really, really looked after me there. It was an amazing time in Sweden, for sure. So. Well, that was that was wonderful, and uh, and as you know, uh, that uh, Volvo truck owns Mack. Mack trucks have passed a number of years, and the Mack yep. the Mack trucks headquarters and assembly plant is probably about a hundred miles from our farm in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And they, uh, as a matter of fact, about a month or so ago, I was coming back from a growers meeting out in Pennsylvania, and I rode right past it. And then Volvo has a big plant in Virginia, right off of Interstate 81, where they make uh, a lot of the trucks now. You know, the VN series, I believe. That's yeah, yeah, the VN and the, the uh, so Volvo own Mac, and uh, Ford own Volvo cars. Right, and that are Chinese, though. Yeah, so... Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy that uh, yeah. automotive swap yeah. over. Yeah, it's it, it it is crazy. Now I forgot to ask you, and I would also be remiss if I didn't ask you. Go back to your dad's farm. Uh, how what kind of combines and farm equipment did you have, and and how many combines? What what did you have in a big operation like that? So we had uh, um, had a couple different combines. We mostly ran whiz bangs. What is that? Um, a, a whiz bang is what uh, we call a gleaner in Australia. Okay. okay. And they go because they go whiz bang, but uh, um, I, it's a bit of a joke. Uh, we love our gleaner combines. I hope so because Fent is spending money with me and Agco. <laughs> so, so gleaner, oh yeah, no. <laughs> no, we loved our we loved our gleaner combines. We had John Deere, but uh, we had a range of tractors. We weren't. We always uh, got the tractor. We felt suited our operation the best, not necessarily what was the best deal. Okay. Um, and also tractor, I'm pretty sure it would be the same around here. People tend to maybe change their tractor preferences a little bit based on the service that we right. get from the dealership, and that was something that we always looked for as well. Um, as deal- dealerships go through different managements and, and mechanics and things change, right. uh, we always look for something that was serviced very well. Did you have a, any farm equipment dealers in Dimbula? We didn't. We were too small. The, the bigger town away from us is, is Horsham. Okay. Um, and that was where all the equipment dealers okay. were. So. Yeah. And yeah. as you've probably learned in the United States, that we call them colors instead of brands. You know, what color are you? Yeah. And uh, did and uh, and sadly, probably a little bit of that is waning now. Oh, but it's still very prevalent, whereas uh, the people were very color loyal. So if you're green, you're John Deere, obviously. If you're blue, you should be Ford, New Holland. You're red, you're Case IH. Uh, do you think you had that same color? Did they call it colors in Australia like we do? Yeah, I mean, brand loyalty, yes, 
you know, where you're red or green um, is probably, um, you know, and we had blue New Holland. So, we, I mean, we have all the same equipment that you guys actually okay. have here. Okay. Uh, right, there's not a lot of variation in terms of that. Okay, and and, um, and on your farm, I would guess you dr- your dad drills in all the wheat. You don't do any tillage, right? Um, no, we we actually we actually do still um, fallow um, every now and then, uh, mostly for weed control. We have guys that have gone to no till near us. There's the big argument, you know, about till no till, uh, where some places. It works some places. It doesn't. Okay. Uh, we have a some of our neighbours are having weed resistant problems. Okay. Um, chemical resistant problems with weeds. So we found that uh, it's still good to burn a bit of diesel and, and till up some ground every now and then. So. Okay. Now, when you well, like, I use your dad's farm as an example. Or where would he sell his crop to? Were there were there grain? Do you have grain elevators like we have here? Or and this? Yep. So we we call them the silo. The okay. silo, or they have a bunker system as well. Okay. Um, which is outside story, which is like a pile, um, which you guys call pile. So, yeah. uh, but we we would we, we take it and market it through the um, through. Um, our grain elevator okay. system. Oh, so well. basically, it's almost the same thing. Okay, yeah. It, yeah, so, yeah, it's identical. And we also had some on-farm storage, so okay. we could control our marketing a little bit right, too. Right. But you, know, you can't always store everything uh, right. on-farm. So yeah. Right. Right now, th- this may be a question that that, that just uh, that you may you may say I'm not asking you, uh, because of your lack of water out there on your farmhouse where your parents live. How deep was the well? Uh, we didn't have a well. Um, everything that came, um, that I drank, showered, flushed the toilet with, um, was rainwater. Oh, really? So you had you you. We we collected we collected rainwater off the roof into a tank, and that was all our drinking water. Really, our shower water, everything. Yep. yep. Wow, wow, that's amazing, and it's still like that today, huh? Uh, uh, we actually so. They used to have an open channel system. Um, it was actually one of the largest open channel systems in the world down there in Southeast Australia. But they, uh, it was so inefficient and the water loss was massive. And then probably about 15 years ago, maybe 20. Yeah. yeah. Um, memory might be a little incorrect. Right, but right. Yeah. Closed. They, they piped it. Um, they actually tore the channel system out and, and put pipe everything. So we okay. actually have, we actually have water. Um, supply to us now through okay. a sewer pipeline. Yeah, but okay. we're growing up. Everything was water. If we ran out of rainwater, we had to filter our dam water. Wow! Wow! That was very. That's quite. That's that's, that's very 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 interesting. So now you mm-hmm. have you have a young Dave. All right, he grew up on the farm. All right, you're helping your dad farm, so you 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 got an association with agriculture, uh, and then you went to become a diesel mechanic, and then you became a globe trotter because I think you saw that name on the Volvo trucks. You became a globe trotter, and you ran all you went all over the world, and then you ended up. Uh, and don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me the truth. What was your first impression on your when you came to the United States for the first time, and where did you land? Uh, so we actually, I actually, with my my two friends when I first came to the state, we flew from um, Melbourne to Sydney, Sydney to Tokyo, and we spent a few days in in Japan. Um, one of my cousins was a interpreter for the um, for the Australian government. Okay, um, 
uh, for Japanese for Japan, and then we flew from Japan straight into Dallas. Okay, and Dallas, the Texas. Worked, yep, and the guy that we worked out of uh, the guy that we worked uh, for first picked us up at the airport. His his friends uh, picked us up at the airport and drove us straight to the farm, and we were working within the first thirty minutes. Wow! Wow! And. Uh, um, and they put me in a they put me in a fuel truck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did a jet lag, and then I ended up on the wrong side of the road. Yeah, wrong side of the road. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not maybe the smartest thing to do. I think they yeah. could have given us a day to get over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you came to work, right? You came to work, well, so we came to work, and we were put to work. So yeah, um, yeah. But I, I also did one more trip um, that is really worth talking about. I, I. Had a little bit of a rough 2006. I broke up with a long-term girlfriend. Okay. Like that, and, and I uh, decided I should take a um, a year off work, and I went and worked in the ski fields in Canada. Wow. And that was the girlfriend was in Australia, correct? The girlfriend was in Australia, yep. Okay. And so I, uh, I had two, my cousin and his wife were going, and they knew that I was down a little bit, and I said, well, why don't you come with us? Well, I'd never snowboarded. I'd never really seen snow. Right. I'd seen snow a little bit, but uh, I never snowboarded or anything. And so in 2007, Ray, I um, actually flew to South Dakota for a friend's wedding. And uh, then I bought an Astro van. uh, (laughs) Chevy Astro van, yeah. A 94 Astro van, all-wheel drive, and I drove. It was... uh, me a case of Red Bull and a, a little big town CD, and I drove the <laughs> 20, 23 and a half hours, well, 24 hours from South Dakota all the way through to Whistler in Canada. Wow. Uh, and uh, um, I had got a job, um, barely ever seen snow in my life, and I ended up getting a job as a snowmobile guide. How did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, so I'm I'm a little bit country. I have my Cobra hat, which is like an Australian cowboy hat, and I have yeah. my dry as a bone, which is my my oil skin jacket, and okay. uh, which is not what you generally see in the ski field. No, uh, I went for a bus driving job, um, and uh, they asked me to go and see the manager, and I went out to see the manager. I said, I'm here for the bus driving job. And, and uh, the manager at the time was, uh, his mum was Australian okay. and his, and he had been working in Canada for quite a while. And he said, well, you'd have to be a pretty good guy wearing a Cobra and a driver bone. And I said, well, some people say that. And he said, can you ride a snowmobile? I said, well, I grew up on a farm. There's not much that I can't ride or drive. Right, right. right. And he said, well, we'll make you a snowmobile guide. And uh, <laughs> so I uh, I became a snowmobile guide. Well, then the owner of the company found out that I was on a farm. And I was a diesel mechanic. So then they made me a, a snow cab driver. Okay. And I was supposed to go home after three months. And uh, I ended up staying for 11 months. And uh, I ended up being a Hummer, a Hummer driver, and an ATV guide. Wow! And um, so they gave me a brand new H two Hummer to, to, to thrash bo- around logging tracks with tourists in it. Wow! And um, 
it was a lot of fun. I actually swore that year I would not say no to anything, so I ended up doing 32 things I'd never done before in my life. Unbelievable. I mean, um, my, my God in heaven. That's uh, And coming from, the, you know, Australia and in the winter with snow and cold and ice, and uh, that must have been some experience. Yeah, it was absolutely crazy. So, I mean, that year I I did everything from um, ride a bull. So I rode a bull in the Falkland Rodeo and and uh, and I took eight weeks of hip hop classes. Where did you find hip hop classes in South Dakota? In 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 uh, no, I found them in Whistler in Canada. So I, uh, but I just said I would say yes to everything and hip hop. Are you enormous gonna, amount of fun? Are you going to do some? <laughs> uh, did you? Are you going to do a little rapping for us, Australian rap? No, 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 no. That's, uh, <coughs> that's singing or any type of vocals is off the cards for me. Just hip hop. That's uh, <laughs> just dancing. Just dancing, Frank. I can dance. Well, you had some. So, uh, so you, you basically, your parents are probably saying, "Oh, he's over there someplace around the world." As long as he's safe <laughs> and happy, who cares, right? And now, it seems that your brother and your sister didn't share that same wanderlust that you have. No, so I was definitely the wanderer of the family. My brother is very much a, a homebody. He loves watching his football and uh, and uh, having a few beers and hanging out with his kids. And um, my goal is to actually uh, go to all seven continents. And I'm I'm checking another one off next February. We, um, my dad, as a retirement gift, so my mum and dad are going along with my wife. And I um, are going to Antarctica. Wow! So, oh, so they're gonna so they they gonna fly from Australia and meet you there, or they're gonna come? Uh, how is that the traveling? So we actually we actually fly to Chile. Okay. And we get on a boat, and I think the boat is about ten to fourteen days, and we take a boat down there, and we come back into Argentina, or it might be the other way around. We go out of okay. Argentina and into Chile. Uh, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. So, yep. Now, so all right, so we got we got a couple of holes we got to fill in here. So you came, no, you, you yeah. came came to the United States. You came a couple of trips. You run up to Canada to Whistler. You got the Astro van. You got the Beretta. It sounds like you're a Chevy guy. All right, you got all of that right. And the thing is that so now, how did you end up settling in this small town with 700 people in South Dakota? Out of all of the wandering you did, because you didn't have a girlfriend at that particular point or anything serious, all right, mm-hmm. and so you could have hung your hat anywhere, all right, and the thing is that how did you end up in in, in deciding that, that this is the place, South Dakota? So I will, I will fill in the gap here. This, this is normally like a 10-beer story, but I'll try and make it. Okay. Try and make it. Try and make it condense a little bit. So, so I while I was in Canada and spent my my twelve months in Canada working, I I had driven back to South Dakota a couple times for Fourth of July and, and things like that. And I had said to some friends, "I really love this town. I really love this town. It reminds me of home." <clears throat> I want to start a hardware store here. We had there was a hardware store here. But it was very, very run down um, and it had not been taken care of. You, when you walked in, you thought you were going to fall through the floor to okay. the basement. But, yeah. And um, 
and this was just bar talk at that time. So this is in Falkton, South Dakota. This is in Falkton, South Dakota. So okay. so I had come back to visit again after I worked here in 2003. I had made great friends. I just kept coming back and <clears throat> in the summertime and and water skiing and playing golf and, and stuff like that. And, and um, friends from here had come over to Australia to visit me, uh, quite a few actually, and... And I kept coming back, and, and then so I had visited them while I was in working in Canada. Now, I want to fill in a bit more of a gap in my business career. So my the boss of the snowmobile company, the Australian guy, he was a very, very good mountain biker. And him and I, my very first business I ever owned was we actually, and I had actually just a month ago, Ray, I finished finalized selling my half to him. Um, we started a bicycle shop in Australia when he moved back to Australia. Wow. And was that in Melbourne? Where was that? That is actually in Melbourne, yep. Um, okay. And um, so him and I started a business partnership and we, we've had a bicycle shop and I have just finished selling my half to him. Okay. But in the meantime, I came back and it took me from 2007 through to 2012. And there was a block of land in Forkton and it took me five years to convince the people to sell it to. Okay. And then I came back in 2012. I had a very good job at home at the time, and then I uh, built the strip mall. So so um, what I realized was that the town needed more than a hardware store because the infrastructure was very um, it was old and there was nowhere for new businesses to go or anything like that. So I, I decided rather than build a hardware store, I'd build a strip mall. Okay. And luckily for me, uh, two of my good friends said that they would start a hardware store in my strip mall because I couldn't afford to do both. Right. So now you were back in, you said you were home. So you were back in Australia when you were trying yes. to buy this land. Now was this vacant, yes. was this vacant land or was there uh, Just a vacant it was a vacant block. It was the old cattle, uh, old cattle yards, actually. Okay. In- and it was on an old railway grade before that. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and anyway, yeah, the uh, the the um, I got the land bought, but in the meantime, I had been coming back and forth to the US just to visit in the in the summertime. Now, okay. my our my summer, friend, our summer, not your summer. Your summer, yes, yeah, yeah. your summer. So. My my best friend here, Brady Shielder, he actually went to college with my wife's cousin. Okay. And every year they do a camping trip. Alrighty. And my wife, um, had I'd been on this camping trip three years in a row, and she'd given me her phone number. Oh. Three years in a row before I called her. Oh, that's not uh, good. Oh, it, it worked out okay, but uh, because, um. I'm not very tall, but my wife is very tall, and okay. and, uh, and she was uh, Miss South Dakota at one point. But, really? Uh, didn't, I didn't think that I could. I didn't think that I was that good. But uh, um, we ended up talking a lot, and then she came to Australia to visit me, and then I came back out. And, yeah, we've been together since um, 2013. So, and we oh, got wow. married in, in 2019 in Hawaii. Oh wow, wow! Yep. So, so she's a South Dakota girl. 
she grew up in South Dakota, so she grew up in a little town about 60 miles from Falkton called oh. Harold. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Harold, South Dakota, is, I think has a population of about 27. Oh. No, it might be a little more than that. might be might be 57. So 57 so, people? 57 people? Yeah, so she, she graduated. Um, the class above, she graduated with four, a class of four or five. Wow. And, and the class above her graduated with a class of one. Oh, my God. That's like so, the Outback. That's like the Outback. <laughs> yes, and, and it is almost like the Outback. Actually, the girl in the class above her was on um, David Letterman for being the small, smallest graduating class in the country. So um, she is she is a um, comes from a wonderful, wonderful family. Um, her mum and dad are, are amazing people, and and uh, yeah, we've been like I said together since twenty thirteen, and and married in twenty nineteen. So. Did they, did they farm? Did her, did your in laws farm in South Dakota? They did not. He he owned a um, he's calling HVAC company. And he sold it, and now he still he still works there. He's uh, my father in law is nearly retired, and my mother in law is retired. Okay. So um, yeah, so. I'm just going to ask you to back up because uh, you cleared your throat. What kind of company did he own? A HVAC company, like heating. Oh, 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 oh HVAC, HVAC. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, I mean, you got to share with us. What's your wife's name? What's her first name? Uh, Nicole. Nicole. Uh, my wife's name is Nicole, and and uh, she actually. Went to X-ray school. Uh, she was state high jump champ actually for a couple. Really, of years. and uh, um, went to went to Jamestown University in North Dakota um, for track. And uh, she's a she was a radiation therapist for Mayo Clinic for ten wow. years. That, so, that, that's in Minnesota, yeah, in Minnesota. Wow, it is. Yeah, so so she was based in um, Minnesota for a long time, okay. and and now she works for. Um, she, a company called um, uh, Varian, or actually Siemens Health. Right, Sports, Siemens, Sports yes, Varian. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, she now oversees projects when a, when a hospitals install new or buy new linear accelerators for cancer. She's very, very passionate about um, okay about cancer treatment and okay. um, and things like that. So, was she ever married yeah. before? May I ask? Was she? Is this, this her? No. No, okay. she's uh, she's a bit she's a bit younger than, than I am. Um, okay, and um, yeah, uh, she's never been married. I mean, neither neither have kids. So. Right, and she was she was in the Miss uh, Miss South Dakota, huh? Wow, that's amazing, boy. You you, you really married up, mate. Uh, we I call it. I know that you guys uh, call it the outkick and your coverage and that stuff, but we. We call it say, we call it batting above your average. Oh, okay, that's so. just a, that's the same thing. That's the same thing. Well, that, that, that's 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 wonderful, and uh, that's that's great. It's a it's a it's a beautiful love story, and and uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. Here it is: you got to miss South Dakota, right? You're going camping. She's giving you your her, her phone number every year, and, and you're not even calling her. What's the matter with you, mate? Uh, I'm playing playing hard to get, right? Uh, hard, hard to get, get. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit too hard to get. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, actually, it's called being completely clueless. Actually, so, so um, but no, she she loves hunting. Um, she loves. Uh, she got her first archery deer this year. She actually. Has, oh wow! She's done a lot of rifle deer hunting and and uh, 
Um, she also loves. She also loves travel. We both really, really love traveling. Right. We went to the went to the Olympics in Brazil the other year. And wow, um, yeah. So. Well, you really are. You really are glo- You really are a globe trotter. So now, so you know. So you know Nicole already, right? Because you got married in what in two thousand nineteen. You said. Yes, yeah. 2019. Yep. So in 2016, you were dating her, all right? And that, yes, yes. And yep. now, now she's, uh, was she still in Minnesota or was she in South Dakota? At the, at the time, she was in Minnesota. So okay. um, she was in Minnesota and <clears throat> and um, and we just, I, I mean, travel doesn't worry me. I'll get in the car and drive. Oh, yeah. No, obviously, you went around the world. <laughs> <clears throat> so, so, yeah. So the thing is that, now you come to Nicole and you say to her, "Honey, I got this. I was back home. I was talking to my dad, and I want to go into the mother bin business." What What was her response to that? Because she's probably thinking, "I'm going to marry this guy," you know? Yeah, Nicole was very, very supportive of uh, my crazy ideas um, and my entrepreneurial spirit. Um, She's had to put up. Uh, she's had to put up with a fair bit, uh, Ray, in terms of of uh, stress and spending money we don't have and and trying new things. So, I uh, <clears throat> she has been very very encouraging. I couldn't have done it without her yeah. uh, in any way, shape, or form. But her, her love and support of the things that I'm doing and trying to do, and and of me particularly. Okay. And making sure that I'm okay um, is amazing. Yeah, that's so. uh, well, that's wonderful, and that, that that you found each other like that. That the good Lord brought you brought you together. But I think when we, there's something else that we're missing here is that with your background, diesel mechanic, world traveler, backpacking across Europe, snowmobiling, doing all this custom cutter wheat harvest. How what was the impetus for you to write a ch- a children's book? <laughs> so, um, I I uh, actually had a tractor accident in 2017, and uh, I was pretty down for quite a while. Nicole helped me, and I, I've always loved dogs, and and we we rescued a, a senior husky, and um, sometimes rescue dogs have an ability to rescue you, right? More so than you rescue them, and. Uh, this 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 fella did it for me. Um, his name was Musky, Musky the Husky, okay. and um, and the the thing is, my so I, I want to go back a little bit about the kids book. So obviously, Musky is incredibly in, incredibly. Uh, he's passed. <clears throat> he's passed on now. When did um, he, he pa- when cancer. when did he pass he away? Got, he he got cancer. Um, oh, I got to remember the year. 20, oh, 2021. Okay, recently, recently, recently. Yeah, yeah, recently. Feels like yesterday, but uh, yeah. And um, and he was he was old. He lived, he had led a really shit life. And he was an amazing dog. But what you have to understand, that being Australian, is squirrels to me are like kangaroos to you. We okay. I find them. Interesting and kind of cute and right. fluffy and oh look at the squirrel right? right so right. my wife on the other hand detests squirrels so at our house in Minnesota 
she kept threatening to shoot all the squirrels in the backyard because they were hiding nuts in her porch swing and and all sorts of things. So so I started naming the squirrels to give her okay. Stockholm syndrome. Right, right, right. <laughs> Put a guilt trip on her. Yeah, so I so I named one of the squirrels Frank, and I'm like, oh, I can't shoot Frank. Frank, and, right, right, right. And, and so I wrote a kids' book called uh, The Adventures of Squirrel and Husky, okay. Frank and Musky, okay. and uh, and that was. And then my sister-in-law, so Nicole's brother's wife, yeah, um, her name is Blaise, and and uh, she is an incredible drawer, and she illustrated the kids' books for okay. me. So we. We put it out there, and then I actually took Bucky around, and we did we read the kids' books at a lot of schools. Yeah. He was such a gentle, gentle dog that just loved kids and loved people, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, that's now. You said that you would after tracks acts and you would down. You meant that you would down physically or down emotionally? Uh, both, 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 both. Right? You know, it's one of those things that you. Um, it happened. It was uh, it was pretty bad, and then it happened, and and um, had trouble just getting myself back together after it. Uh, okay. And Nicole's love and support helped with that, and along with with Musky and um, yeah, yeah, yeah it was, it, it's and I'm sure um, some of your listeners have experienced that you go through oh sure highs and highs and lows in the your low. life, and yep. And I, I I will say this without. Without any feeling any judgment, because um, I think the world would be a better place if everyone just talked to a therapist and <laughs> yeah. got a little bit of mental help here and there. Because right, it right. was absolutely one of the best things. Nicole helped me go and yeah. talk to someone, and, right. and that also helped a lot. I I never thought of, and I I do di- I do dislike the stigma attached to right to talking to a therapist because I just truly believe it can help so many people. Well, sure. Sure, of course. I mean, everybody, uh, everybody needs help in a different way. It's a, uh, it's a broken world, and it's getting more, mm. more, more and more broken. So now we're almost full circle. We know how you met your wife. We know you globe trotted. How you got associated with South Dakota? Were your parents ever to South Dakota from Australia? Yes, my mum and dad have visited several times. Okay, um, they came over for my fortieth birthday, and they've been. And my dad's come over and. And come to farm shows with us, and okay. Um, my my dad's been an incredibly big supporter of of um, our business, and and uh, he helps me still a lot uh, on the engineering side. And we actually have his business card read uh, Head, uh, which is it's Brian Head, um, H. O C I D, which is the head of Crazy Ideas. <laughs> so, 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 so yeah. uh, we we like a little bit of humour in our yeah in our business and in our world for sure. Because a day without laughter is a day waste. Right, um, ex- exactly, exactly. And now we I forgot to ask you what's your mom's name because she would be she'll be offended <laughs> if we didn't ask about her name. <laughs> she would be uh, my. Uh, Pam is her name. Her name's Pam, Pamela, really. Oh, Pamela, everyone okay. Okay. So, so, uh, so, so now we ha- we we're coming almost full circle. Now the thing is that I know you had told me in Kentucky that even though this concept for the mother bin was uh, originated in Australia, that you had to do a lot of redesign to make it work in North America. So, do you want to touch on that briefly? 
Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we redesigned the mother bin for North America. There's a lot of challenges over here that are not in Australia. So, um, um, particularly with the turning system, so with the roads being built up here because of the snow, the weather, things like that, it's really important to have a mother bin that can turn sharp corners and and in Australia, we don't have that issue. Okay. Uh, all the ditches, all the ditches are very uh, flat and shallow, so you can roll into a field straight off the road without any um, any real issues. the The thing here in North America is some of the approaches are, are tight, so we had to design the bin. We actually built a steering system, and then we on the prototype we cut it out, started again. And um, and now we have a steering system that works incredibly well, and it'll turn into any approach anywhere you can get a semi. You can get this, okay. and our our new design coming up actually increases that again. So we end up with a, a very tight turning radius. It's a sixty foot machine that actually has about a forty three foot turning radius. So, Amazing. Um, did the ones yeah. in Australia? The ones in Australia did they turn? Or they just not as tightly, or they don't turn. No, they don't turn nearly as tightly. Okay. Um, at all, they actually limit out very quickly. The other thing we did, Ray, was we split the front and rear flow gate, so you can blend grain. Okay. Um, if you have some dry stuff you want to blend off with wet stuff, so uh, you can you can do that and and uh, get a desired moisture content. It it is I. I I also want to say, Ray, there's, there's one more thing that we maybe have not talked about and it would be remiss of me to not talk about, and that is uh, my little Outback Wrap thing that I invented. Oh, yes, it. yes, yes. <laughs> I, it's just something that was so fun and it was so simple and it, it's, it's really taken off. It's a hydraulic hose marker, and that was born out of frustration of hooking up all the hydraulic hoses on a mother bin. And uh, we patented it, and, and now I uh, last summer I had 22 high school kids employed just to put it in bags and and ship it out. So we're in um, we're 350 dealers in 11 countries, I think now. With wow, that. wow, that's and and it's uh, I remember seeing it at the show. So it's it's a uh, a colored braiding that you would put on on the lines, right, to, to give them a, a visual marker for which. So you put color to color. Yeah, that's right. So you so you know where to put it in the back of your tractor. Um, the hydraulics on tractors are color coded. Right. And um, it's very simple. It's just a it's a poly um, ethylene wrap, and it and it's laser etched with uh, with the A or B one A one B two A two B. So you know which side to put the hydraulic hose. Actually, we we actually almost won the safety award for it in Australia because essentially it can. If you put your hydraulic hoses incorrectly, you can stop someone um, pushing forward on a lever or pulling back on a lever and having a drop or okay. or land on, land on a person. Right, so. right. Wow. Yeah, I saw the little. I saw the packages. So, how long is the length of it in, in the package? So the the the, the identifiers are are the are about six inches long okay and then we also make stuff that bundles the hoses together it just it was just a fun invention but the very first stuff and and this goes back to the farm i in 1989 we 
and I I was born in seventy seven, so I was probably thirteen. Okay. My dad and I got some wrap, and we stamped it with a metal stamp, and we put it on a plow. Yeah. And ever since then, I thought it was a, okay. and, and it was a good idea. And my dad actually went out. And he knew where the plow had been sold, and uh, he went out and and uh, talked to the guy, and the wrap was still on there. Wow. So, um, and then we've we just uh, it went from there essentially. So that's amazing. So it all so it had its roots back there. Was that a mold board plow or a chisel plow? Uh, it was a it was a a V plow actually. Oh, V plow. Okay, a V plow. Yep. How many bottoms was that? Oh, I think it was only three or four. Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't think we use too many V plows, or at least back here in the east. But that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how it started, and now you're selling that you're selling that wrap around the world, and you call it the Outback Wrap, correct? It's called Outback Wrap. Yep, and <laughs> yeah. You're ready. So, so that's uh, and so that started before the mother bin, or that the, or the mother bin come first. The mother bin came first. So the wow. mother bin was the mother bin was in the big in thing 20, first. The big thing first. The, the big mother. thing first. Yeah, the small thing second. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, every time, uh, so the mother bin came about in 2015, and then then the prototype in 2016, and then Outback Wrap was started in 2018. Okay, and. Okay. Uh, I think my wife, every time we go to the accountant for tax time, yeah, um, she keeps the new businesses pop up. So she's banned me from starting any more businesses. Yeah, I, so I, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to start any yeah. more yeah, she's, she's probably not telling you that. She said, it said you're starting these business left and right, but it took you three years to call me. And I'm Miss South Dakota, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember you wearing glasses. Maybe you should get your eyes checked or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe. Miss, yeah, uh, Miss South Dakota. Guy comes from Australia. He, he hooks up with Miss South Dakota. And he said, I don't know. Sick girl gave me a phone number. Heck with her. All right. <laughs> so so now we'll, we'll get back to business here because it's so much of your life story. This has been, been a wonderful, wonderful story. And, uh, you know, it's a, <clears throat> me being a hot rodder and being drag racing. I know you had told me that you, had, you were involved, I guess, back in Australia with some race teams and what have you. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's one thing to go out into your garage or your farm shop, whatever, and, say, and, and, and maybe make a sketch and say, well, I'm going to make us something, whatever the something is, whether it's a race car, whether, or whatever piece of something on the farm. But, it's, but for you to do that mother bin, and to, you needed so much engineering and so, much, so many drawings and blueprints, that was a, I mean, honestly, I would not know where to start to do something like that. If you said to me, maybe build one, and you put a piece of iron over here, and you visualize it, and you draw it on a napkin, and you say, ah, oh, man, this is in the wrong spot. Let me cut the weld off. But that was a monumental task. I mean, this thing is huge. Yeah, so I actually worked with uh, a friend of mine initially for our initial engineering drawings. In Australia, and, and essentially what we did was we went to all our friends that had mother bins because there's quite a few different brands okay. in Australia. None of them are actually called a mother bin. It's, we would just call it a, like a barber mother bin okay. or a Finch mother bin, and that's the name of the yeah, manufacturer. The, uh, the manufacturer, right. and uh, we we ended up, you know, we, we thought it was a really good name, and there was some commonality and and so we were able to actually use 
to the name Mother Ben here in the US okay. as our own. And uh, we we took we asked all of our friends who were farmers like what did you like, what didn't you like, what's good, what's bad, and then what I what I did was I tried to take all that information and. Obviously, you can never keep everybody happy, right? Right. right. But, but 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 I tried to take all that information and put all the good things that everyone liked, and took out all the bad things right. that everyone disliked. And that that you know that came along with invent or not inventing, but manure uh, designing new clean outdoors and and changing side heights and windows and things like that. So, and then we. We took it. We took it from there, and we we built it up. And and uh, like I said, we built it up. We tried to break it, and then we um, we we didn't really successfully break it. To be honest, okay. right? yeah. Um, the only thing we really after our initial design, we've changed lots of stuff on it to For make sure. it better since then. But but the only thing we we truly have really had to completely rip out and start again was the steering system. Okay. And 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 we did that on the we actually were luckily enough to do that on just the prototype and and since then it's been a very very successful yeah. um steering system. So, so now when when the first bin the prototype was completed and that must have been some feeling to see this come to fruition. I mean, that it actually exists. And uh, what did Nicole think when she saw it? Because she probably couldn't even conceptualize what it is because even somebody, I mean, even at the farm show, people couldn't really conceptualize what it was. So, I mean, uh, that must have been some feeling when you saw the, this baby, you know, uh, fully born, you know? Uh, yeah, and this, uh, so Nicole had actually been to Australia with me, so she'd seen them in Australia. Um, but, uh, it's, it's such a strange feeling because so often people, not just myself, but when you're doing a project like this or you're starting a business or you, you, you're achieving even, even something that you could talk about building a race car in exactly the same way, right? People forget because you're so deep into it. Yeah. You forget to look back and see how far you've come. Yeah. And you also and see everything I, that's if wrong. Tell, if I could tell people doing any project whatsoever, stop being so hard on yourself. Make right. sure you take the time to look how far you've come. Because I got in a situation here just probably 18 months ago where I just, I, I didn't feel like we were getting anywhere. And, and I, it took someone saying that exact thing to me for me to look back to yeah. to the prototype, right? All the way to the prototype and go, man, we built something that no one had ever done before. We built something that no one has ever tried before, right? Here in North America, and we're actually doing pretty well at it, right? <laughs> right, exactly. So, so, it's amazing, you know. And look at our look, our sales have increased, and our yeah. customers love them, and 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 and. And so, so looking back is so important because sometimes you can get bogged down in the oh sure when you're in a project and you lose the joy yes of 
of doing a project. And like I said, you can relate it to just about anything, including building a race car or anything. Whether you're building a building a garden shed, you know. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. so no, I I agree a hundred percent. And then, and you probably do this. We probably both do the same thing, even though you didn't say it. But <clears throat> what I do, and I've always done that. Um, sadly, not only hard on myself, but I only see everything that I did wrong. So it's, uh, you know, I, I, when I would build an engine, I would see the, I would, my eye would automatically go to the bolt that the wrench slipped on and the castellations are a little bit, a little bit shiny. And even, even now with my podcast or my radio show, I actually am burned out from listening to it because I don't listen to it. Oh, I should have said this. I should have done this. I shouldn't have stopped there. And I just, and you just beat yourself up. So I, I certainly understand, but still that is a, a wonderful, wonderful accomplishment because and you you created something and i'll literally say from nothing uh that was here before and, and i know that you work with a company to build them uh, to assemble them you don't have to divulge that but uh when you brought this concept to them did they like roll their eyes up in the sky in their, in their head and say no so so actually i i I have two manufacturers. My main manufacturer is Macau Industries. They're in Fargo, North Dakota, and I have a, uh, another manufacturer in Hanover, Minnesota, Astro Metalcraft. They do both do a wonderful, wonderful job, and we've done that because we see the increase in volume just every year over year, and um, you know, and they've been they've been great to work with. And uh, they do a they do a wonderful job uh, for us, and it's very hard to get labour. So I go back into this labour thing. If we if I was to build a factory and try and build it here, I've got to go find welders. And our closest town here in Falkland's forty mile away. So so contract manufacturing out has actually been a massive benefit to me. Oh, and sure. I think it it's been I think it's been good for everybody to yes. be honest. Yeah. Um, but but it, on your point about looking at, at the the bad things that I do exactly the same thing. Oh, I could have done that better. I should have done that better. Just don't forget to have a look how far you come and the good things that happen because yeah, it's it's easy to overlook. Yeah, and it's uh, but when you brought your blueprints and your concept to these manufacturers, did they think that you were crazy? There's been a lot of people that have thought I'm crazy, <laughs> right? Like honestly, but. Um, no, I, I, and I, and kudos to them. Um, I, when I walked in there, um, they didn't know me from a bar of soap and I, we sat down and looked at it and I said, do you guys think you can do this? And they said, yeah, let us have a look at it. And we signed non-disclosures and everything. Right, and, right. And, uh, we sent them away and came back and we actually had three, three or four different, uh, manufacturers quote to build okay. it. Okay. And um, I, it's not necessarily always the cheaper one. Sometimes you got to go on your gut feeling and right. uh, and make sure that you. Uh, and and I did that, and and these guys have been wonderful to work with. So. Oh, that that that's fantastic. And uh, I'm going to go away from the mother bin for a minute because everything that I that most Americans know about Australia from Crocodile Dundee, and you mentioned that in the beginning, and you beat me to it. <laughs> all right, so you call the bin the walkabout mother bin. All right, so now you, as an Australian, what truly is a walkabout? So, so this is. <clears throat> 
this goes into the the name and the and the the history of the logo. So for anyone that does look up my logo, it's actually a, a silhouette of a kangaroo with an American flag waving in it. And um, I when I, I have a cousin that's a uh, graphic designer, and I and I did not prompt her in any way. I said I want something that's important to where I grew up, and I want something that's important to me now where I live and call home. And so that was how the American flag kangaroo came about, and I'm really proud of it. We have a great response from our logo. In terms of a walkabout, Mother Ben, a walkabout is a um, (laughs) – I guess I've almost been the king of walkabout. uh, um, Global walkabout, global. So, yeah, so so Aborigines actually in Australia actually have a a saying – which means walkabout, and and a walkabout is when you leave home to go and find yourself. Okay. And a walkabout can last a short time, or it can last a long time, okay. and um, and so it's about it's about moving around and finding yourself, and uh, okay. and a walkabout mother bin. So the other thing that we with the word walkabout is means it's mobile or portable. Okay, I see. I see. So, so now we have a, a bin that's mobile or portable, yeah. and in terms of uh, walkabout, I was on a walkabout essentially when I found this place and started this company. So. Ah, okay, I see. So that's that's the segue there, that's the connection. And I have to admit that I went on a walkabout, but it was only for a couple of hours, and it was back <laughs> it, it was back years ago, and I had seen the year before Crocodile Dundee, and then I was I didn't I hadn't met my wife, the girl who became my wife yet, and I had a brand new Lincoln Mark Seven LSC, and I wanted to go out to the Speed Week to Bonneville Salt Flats, and I was out in Utah in the desert, and I went down a dirt road. Uh, parked my Lincoln, and I went on a walkabout out into the desert, and I called it a walk, and it was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience that I won't share here because this is your episode, but I said to myself, <laughs> I'm going, but my walkabout lasted about four or five hours. And so, oh, that's, that's amazing, and that, 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 that's exactly what a walkabout is. It's, it's going to find yourself or um, um, exploring something new. Yeah. Actually, Ray, there's a day here, and I. It could be a little bit of a humble brag, but it's a funny story. There was a when we opened the strip mall here. It was the first real retail development, and that was done in Falcon in a long, long time. And, um, and uh, the mayor actually proclaimed Dimbula Dave Day. Oh wow! Where, which uh, was a proclamation, and then on the 26th of April was the day. And, and uh, they um, actually encourage all citizens of Boston to go on a short walkabout on oh, wow. the 26th of April. <laughs> so, just, wow. Yeah. Wow, so you have, you have an anniversary coming up and you have your own little South Dakota <laughs> version of a walkabout. But now you know a guy from New Jersey who went, granted, it's a, it's a, it's a condensed walkabout, but it was, it, was, it was absolutely wonderful. I was out in the middle of the desert, uh, Utah desert, about 100 miles outside of Salt Lake City, and uh, it was something that I often, uh, in my mind, I, I, drift, I drift back to it. But the, uh, 
So now you call this bin the Eastern Gray, and we touched on that basically in the beginning because of the kangaroo, uh, the Eastern Gray kangaroo. And uh, <clears throat> when I first saw the bin in Kentucky, I thought, I said, what the heck is the guy got the, name, the color of the paint coat on here? Because I'm a car guy. I thought that's a paint no- name, you know what I'm saying? So you called it an Eastern Gray. And <clears throat> why did you choose that kangaroo? Is that the most prevalent kangaroo in Australia? So we, so there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of story behind the name, the Eastern Grey. So the Eastern Grey is the smallest of Australian kangaroos, and and um, we do have plans in the future to build uh, two bigger bins, um, a six thousand bushel bin, which would be called a Big Red, which okay. is a which is a big kangaroo, and yeah. we'll paint that one. We'll paint that one red. red. Okay, and then. Um, we have one called uh, an 8,000 bushel. This is, this is very much in the future. We haven't designed the, the super big one um, called a boomer. And a boomer is an Australian kangaroo. It's an Aboriginal giant mythical. It's a white old man kangaroo. Okay. And, and, um, and boomer, uh, the old man kangaroos are also what toes Santa's sleigh. At Christmas time in Australia, no no reindeer. There's no reindeer there. Well, it's too hot for the reindeer. Okay. So there's, a, there's a song called Six White Boomers," okay. and it's about how Santa unhooks the reindeer from his sleigh and hooks up these uh, six white old man kangaroos yeah. to tow the tow the sleigh the sleigh around Australia. And uh, do they now this mystical kangaroo that doesn't exist? Does it look like a kangaroo? Does it look like a like a kangaroo in a person? No, it, it looks like it looks like a kangaroo. It's actually an Aboriginal myth. Okay, I, and um, someone can fact check me if they want. Oh no, I'm sure they will. No, I'm sure it's uh, true. What I was going to say about uh, fact checking me was um, I, this kangaroo is supposed to come and is uh, old man kangaroo is supposed to come and visit you in your dreams while you're on a walkabout, okay. but okay. Yeah, yeah. That that then that that then happened to me. So he didn't come to Utah. So, he, he didn't. He didn't come to Utah. All right. You know, I, and you know, and for full disclosure, you know, I said I always had an affinity for Australia because of the cars, because of the trucks, because of the architecture. The I mean, all those things that I that I love. But I have to honestly say, because this is full disclosure. All right, that when I was a young boy. We got a radio station here in Hackettstown, which we never had a radio station before, an AM radio station, and I had a little transistor radio, and I heard Olivia Newton-John sing, Have You Never Been, <laughs> and you Have You Never Been Mellow, and I fell in love with Olivia Newton-John. My audience knows that. A lot of my editors know that, and I was, I'm going to tell you something that a lot of people didn't know. I, even though she was much older, I was supposed to marry her. So I don't know what the heck happened, but that was, so, so, and I think that she was from the Melbourne area. So did you ever see Olivia Newton-John? I did not. I did not see Olivia Newton-John, but. um, Well, I was, she was supposed to marry me. I was in love with her. That was it. I mean, you know, see, she, uh, so, all right. So that's, that, I think that's really where my affinity for Australia came, you know? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting country because we're uh, we have such unique flora and fauna, and obviously Crocodile Dundee and and Steve and <clears throat> went a long way to to promoting Australia, and um, I, I, I they would like to put Steve Irwin on a on a a dollar or on the 
some of our money at home, and I think he deserves that too. So, yeah. So, it's yeah. A, but but OMJ, baby. But I'll tell you, I'll share another thing with you. My my one friend who now lives in Las Vegas, out in Nevada. All right, back years ago, we went. <laughs> We went out out to California cross country like you. We always traveled all over the place. I'm within within North America though, and uh, Olivia Newton John had opened up a boutique in on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. I think it was called Koala Blue. And now that I'm older, and now that I'm a, a, a man, well, we drove out to California to go look for her there. Oh really? <laughs> wow. So 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 Gene, if you're listening and then years later when I had my engine shop, I had two brothers <laughs> who did the same thing and they admitted it to me. So all right, so we're not alone. And then uh we're not alone, but that that was one export that Australia really had nailed down right, let me tell you, you know? So uh, they had her nailed down. So uh, she was uh, she was grade A prime. But uh yep. That that is that is funny, but now I you know after listening to your story, and I mean it sincerely, it was a blessing to meet you in Kentucky. It was a it was a uh, I feel like I've known you even though we only spoke a little bit and uh, at a table there for a half hour or so, and but the per, the premise of of this podcast on the road and is to connect with the is to have people that are passionate then you certainly have a passion but i and you have other messages that you could give to the audience and the the thing is that you're a man who really just followed his heart no matter where your heart took you and i think that that's a, a a wonderful attribute i honestly don't think it's for everyone and there's nothing wrong with that but if you look at it as a hearing your life story is the things all of everything that happened in your life on the farm with your family with your dad being an entrepreneur with your with your with your mother pamela right and uh yeah. and and then and it really if that didn't happen you you and i wouldn't be talking today no that that's exactly right and if i can leave you your listeners with anything ray like i said you don't you don't need to do something as crazy as i'm doing and all, all the best thing that anyone can do is happiness starts with yourself, and the best way to do that is be kind to yourself. So many people are so hard on themselves um, about things they've done or haven't done or whatever. Everything that that has happened is in the past, and they just be kind to yourself. Yeah. That's, everyone should do more of that. Yeah. And a lot of those things that happen—that's the the school of hard knocks, as we say in the United States, right? They teach it teaches you. It's it's an education. And if you uh, if your dad didn't, if you and your dad didn't mark those hydraulic lines, uh, your 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 rap wouldn't be wouldn't be around if you weren't on the farm. I mean, all of that all of that came together it was an important element in the in the man that Dave had became, and the walk about mother been coming to the United States, which honestly is going to be such a boon to. For harvest efficiency not only throughout North America so it's really going to end up being a, a wonderful thing and uh, and it's it's, uh, it's amazing but what I'm going to ask you to do is please share with the audience your website and I know you had a very nice uh, episode about the mother bin on RFD TV I think on, uh, <clears throat> on Rural America Live please tell them about that where they could find that because you really can't conceptualize this thing until you see it 
Yeah, so so the website is um, motherbin.com. And if you want to check out our hydraulic hose markers, it's outbackwrap.com. And that's with a W R A P. So, um, yeah, just, uh, and the, the mother bin, the mother bin thing is, is kind of cool. So, and the TV episode is on the, on your website, correct? It is. Yes. Uh, it is. It'll be on the website. Uh, just find the, uh, rural, Rural America Live link and okay. click there and have a watch. And have a because you really have to. You, you no matter even if you're not a, a a row crop farmer or a production grain, you really have to look at this concept and check it out because it's thinking out of the box. It's taking something that that didn't exist and uh, and seeing a need and creating it. And also, uh, I think we all need to learn from Dave's experiences in life that you know. Not only, like you're saying, not on, not to be too hard on yourself. I mean, you got to be a little bit hard because that's what pushes you. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we we all have to go on our walkabout, right? And we have to not, and, and we have to find our own voice, and we have to find and we have to find what works for us. And for you, it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. For your brother, obviously, it's a different journey. And for your sister, it's a it's a it's a different journey. And for everybody who's listening to this, it's a different journey. But, and, and and Ray and and on that, it's not better. It's not worse. It's, it's just, just different. different. That's and, right. And that is the num- also that's the number one rule of travel. Yep. For anyone listening, it's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. Exactly. Whether it be food, drink, conditions. Right. Yeah. It's it's just um, different. It's just different. So it's a. I want to thank you so much for coming on uh, to the show. I want to thank you so much for sharing your story. Is there anybody else that was paramount that you need to at least give them a mention, a shout out to? We mentioned your dad. We mentioned your mom. We mentioned your wife. All right. We mentioned the husky dog. We mentioned the the, 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 the gentleman, the gentleman who uh, brought you to South Dakota to do the custom harvest. They got the whole the whole thing rolling. And is there anybody else that you want to give a shout out to? I actually, I would love to give a shout out to um, to the people that I get to work with every day that work with me, Crystal, Cecilia, Brittany, Sarah, Craig, Josh, Carl. I mean, all the people that I get to work with on a daily basis are so awesome. I mean, those guys make it easy for me to, to continue to dream and, and do crazy things. And uh, if anyone ever wants to stop past Forkton, South Dakota, um, stop in for a beer anytime. Alrighty, I'm sure they'll take you up on it. I'm sure they'll take us because <laughs> the audience is all around the world. Who knows? We, I think we may have some uh, listeners up near the Antarctic. So who knows what you what you're going to find? <laughs> but when you're dreaming, just keep just keep in mind that you're a married man now, and the call kind of shortened that leash on that walkabout. <laughs> yeah, uh, she. Well, the best thing is she likes to go and walk about with me, right? So. So she is, she is as much adventure in her blood as I do, well, that's which great. is awesome. She she loves to travel also. Well, that's, so. that, that's great. Well, listen, I want to thank you so, so much. Dave, stay in the line. I'm going to uh, say goodbye to the audience. Please, uh, <clears throat> like I say, regardless, 
of whether you're in production agriculture or what level of production you, know, you got to check this out you got to see this thing it's humongous it's gorgeous and you know and if you're a hot rod farmer you're going to love this thing regardless even if you don't need it because of its size and just it's like a big boy's toy you know and uh you got to you got to check it out and and for those in production agriculture it's really something that you need to consider because the cost of combines the cost of just cost of everything to be able to have that i call it a bunching point or a collection point and move that it's it's almost like henry ford who came out with the assembly line to build cars this is almost like assembly line with with grain production so uh dave i want to thank you so so much and uh i want to thank you for connecting and sharing your life story with the audience and hopefully god willing that your family enjoys it and this becomes a family heirloom for the head family so uh everybody where we're going to be on the road next time i have no idea but i don't think it's going to be in australia but maybe who knows so i want to thank you so much for listening and check out that walkabout mother bin <laughs>